You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Download past shows and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this week's program. I have three criteria that I pay attention to. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? And those are the ways in which I kind of really look at what do I need to work on today? What do I need to do a little bit differently? Am I staying connected to all three parts of myself on a regular basis? I needed to come back here and do something other than just resume life as normal. When you go to an area like that and see such unimaginable poverty and how people are living in such squalor and conditions, you say, how can I not be sensitized to this and try to have our students be sensitized to it. For our small part, our students will go, will help, but their lives will be touched and there'll be a platform for them to help others in a more sustainable way. Well, I think you always get better results if you think about things that make you feel good and look towards what you want in life rather than focusing on the things that bring you down or the things that you don't want. And that's part of the whole law of attraction. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 82, Vitality, airing for the first time on April 7th, 2013. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? These are the questions that author and women's health expert Marcel Pick asks herself at the end of each day. It is truly the ability to live, love, and matter that brings vitality to our daily lives. It is the ability to live, love, and matter that influences my desire to join with my colleagues in creating the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour for you each week. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion on vitality, spiritual, mental, and physical, with Marcel Pick, author of The Core Balance Diet and Is It Me or Is It My Hormones, Michael Komich and Emily Manter of the Chevers Safe Passage Support Team, and naturopathic physician Dr. Messina Wright, Thank you so much for listening and for giving us a chance to help you live, love, and matter. The nice thing about Maine is that it's a kind of a small town, small state feel, but we also have some really thoughtful and prolific and intelligent people that work here. And we've spoken with this individual before. She's actually a fellow Yarmouth healthcare practitioner and um, best-selling author of three books. This is Marcel Pick, who recently came out with her book, Is It Me or My Hormones? She also is the author of Is It Me or Is It My Adrenals and The Core Balance Diet. Thank you for coming back in and having another conversation with us. You're welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Marcel, we're lucky to have you because you just came off um, a pretty intensive schedule with a PBS tour. Talk mm-hmm. about that. 
Um, there was a PBS show taken after the book, Is It Me or My Hormones? And the goal for me really was to try to get the information out about wellness and health and how much we can actually impact how we age as we get older by changing our diet and that food is really a game changer for us and also lifestyle. We have much more impact in our long-term ability to be able to be healthy as we get older uh, than we ever thought before. You've been a healthcare practitioner for a while. A long time. Yes, I didn't want to put numbers do on it. Do not do that. But no, for, a long time. for many years. Yes. And so you've had a chance to spend time with women who um, have needed your help. Mm-hmm. So you've seen that it isn't just about... Uh, diet. It isn't just about lifestyle, but it's about bigger things. So you've had to work through some of this mm-hmm. yourself. Absolutely. Well, I think we all do. And, and part of what I wrote in, in the book is it me or my adrenals, it used to be called Are You Tired and Wired, is the notion that a lot of us carry a story with us. And the story is about what go, why not what really happened for us in our childhood and how we carry that forward. And for example, if you're a perfectionist and you're constantly expecting high things of yourself, that's going to actually impact your adrenals and your cortisol level. And if it goes on too much and you really, and women tend to do this a lot, they're thinking of everybody else but themselves. They're always being very critical of how they look and how they behave. And if they're perfectionist on top of that, it's nonstop, I'm not enough. That impacts our amygdala of our brain, which then sends messages to our adrenals. And the bad news with that is if it continues to go on and actually causes cortisol levels to stay elevated, which then downregulate our thyroid and our sex hormones and our immune system. So understanding yourself and how you think and how you behave is crucial to that. And I really understood that. I started doing um, encounter groups when I was in college to find out more about myself. I was very curious about why did I think the way that I did? Why did I behave the way that I did? So I've always been on that journey. And um, in 19, probably 89, 1990, I was introduced to the concept of the Hoffman process. And the notion is that our biography becomes our biology if we don't pay attention. And understanding about yourself and having an awareness is what the Hoffman's all about. And it's an eight-day program that I found immensely helpful for myself to look at how do I have patterns of behavior that really affect my physiology and the way that I think. And so I became very involved with them, did the process myself, refer a lot of my patients there. Again, it's not the answer for everyone. It's just a nice solution for some people if they're finding that their thinking is affecting their emotions, which is affecting their adrenals, which is affecting their health. Um, And they are in California. I also have a, um, a program in Massachusetts as well in the Berkshires. You grew up in Australia. I did. How is that different from what you've encountered here in the United States? Well, um, I grew up in a very kind of different scenario. I We lived outside of Sydney in a place called Bundina, and it was two hours by boat and train to get to Sydney. And I didn't have, we didn't have roads. I mean, we had no paved roads. We didn't have, there were three stores in the little area that I was in, surrounded by National Park. I spent most of my day, if I wasn't doing homework, um, I was swimming in the ocean in the the barrier reef, or I was looking in caves, or I was going to some caves with a lot of Aboriginal drawings. So I was very connected to the earth, and there were deer and all kinds of animals around all the time. So I became, it was my meditation on a regular basis. So I became very sensitive to my environment, 
and was very, very clear from a very young age that I wanted to have an impact in the world and health-related from the time I was very young. And more than likely, it was because I was so connected to spirit world in some ways because of the world. And I didn't know it at the time, um, but I was very clear from a very young time that I wanted to make a difference. This is part of something that you describe in each of your books, the the need to reconnect with oneself on a pretty much a daily basis, Mm -hmm. on at least a contemplative level, if not a spiritual level. Mm -hmm. Is this something you've been able to continue to incorporate in your own life? Yeah, I get up generally now. When I was doing the PBFs, I didn't. But generally, I try to get up at 5 and have um, a time that I, I'm kind of looking at my life. I have three criteria that I pay attention to. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? And those are the ways in which I kind of really look at, you know, what do I need to work on today? What do I need to do a little bit differently? Um, am I staying connected to all three parts of myself on a regular basis? And, of course, you're going to have episodes in which you do that well and episodes in which you don't. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm aware enough that I want to kind of do that for myself in my life so that I, I don't lose sight of the other parts. Are you able to connect back with nature to the extent that you once did when you were younger? Um, there are times that you are and times that you aren't. You know, I was just in a time in which I was incredibly busy finishing the book and doing the PBS. And now I have a boat, so I spend a lot of time on the water. The water is really important to me. And um, I'm also a runner, so I really like to be outdoors. And I also bike, so I'm so excited that spring is really coming and the snow is starting to melt so I can be outside. Yeah, it's important. It's important for all of us is because I think so many times we forget the connection that the earth has for us and the rhythm of the earth and the rhythm of the moon and the sun. Um, those of us that live in Maine, we're more connected because we're so appreciative when this, the leaves are starting to come on the trees and the snow's melting. Um, we, we do pay attention to that probably more ways than other people do. When I was reading The Core Balance Diet, I was interested to to see you reference your relationship with your mother mm-hmm. and having to work through that. I don't know if she's she's still alive. Or? She's not. She actually died in 1999. So, you, But having to work through that and having to work through that as how it had impacted um, your own mm-hmm. physical self, mm-hmm. um, it seems as though these books have been intensely personal to you, not just written from a healthcare provider standpoint. Well, you know, what I've come to understand when you write anything, it's important to connect with your audience to help people in the audience understand that we all have these journeys that we're working through. So I don't know that there were really um, books that I wrote because of my personal. It's just that my personal came into it as well. And I think it really helps people if you personalize a book. I've written three now, so I understand how to do that. It helps people understand that they can see themselves in the books too many times. And I also tend to have a lot of stories of patients in there too. So I wasn't really writing the books to kind of work out my stuff. I was really using myself as a reference point to help people understand that many of the journeys, we all have them, and I'm no different. And, that, and that's clear. I mean, yeah. as I was reading, it wasn't like yeah. Marcel's doing therapy Working as her she's writing her books. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't what I was getting. What I was yeah. getting was um, it was it came from a place of um, purity. Yeah, that there was there was really a very good reason that you thought yeah. it was important that you write this, and that also yeah. that you could relate to other women who might yeah. um, be having similar. Sure 
things in their lives. When I wrote The Core Balance, um, I remember being in high school and I was one of those young women that just ate one meal a day and I still was not really very thin. And I realized at that time I had done Weight Watchers once and I was weighing and measuring everything and everybody else in line is like using pounds and going, oh, I cheated last night, that there was something that was off. And we now call that weight loss resistance. So I knew when I had figured out pieces to that puzzle, I was going to write a book about it. And that's really what The Core Balanced Diet is about. It's a book about health, but it's a book about what happens to those women that are doing everything they're supposed to do and they're still not losing the weight. I mean, there's many things that we understand now that we didn't understand before, and I even know more than I did when I wrote the book. But I wanted to have people, you know, not have to struggle in the same way that I had for so long because everyone was saying, yeah, you're eating bonbons in the corner. It's like, you have no idea. That is so not true. But that then gave people the opportunity to look at what's blocking them. If the body's not working, what's wrong? So we can figure out upstream what the problem is instead of always coming up with a diagnosis of you're eating bonbons in the corner because that's not true. So One of the things in the core balance diet, and I like the way that you um, gave a, I guess essentially it was a questionnaire, and uh-huh. you enabled people to find areas that they were in, unbalanced in. Right. And then it seems as though you were able to expand upon one of those areas and write um, what is now, is it me or is it my adrenals? Then another area is, is it me or is it my hormones? So yeah. I, I liked that, that there's sort of yeah. a progression from yeah. the core balance to, okay, here, let's talk a little bit more about this Right, more thing. in depth. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And in the is it me or is it my hormones, you even talked about, again, your own personal experience with mm-hmm. trying to um, eat a certain way and things not being quite right with your hormones, and you couldn't quite figure this out. And then as time went on, you went, oh, wait, there is a relationship, and there is a relationship also for my patients. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that, because I'm, I'm very, very interested in that, given what we know with especially young women and their eating habits. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the part that's always so amazing to me is that when I have my patients change their diet, and it sounds so easy to do, but it's more complicated because of our desire for sugar and our, you know, rushed life and the fast food industry and all those things. But when you get back to basics and you just do breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, and you do protein and whole foods, it's a game changer. I mean, it really impacts because the three major hormones we have are not estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. It's insulin, cortisol, and adrenaline. Those things, so stress and what we eat, actually impact our hormones more than anything else. And I think that's a surprise for my patients, and it certainly was a surprise for me, is as I cleaned my diet up, my cortisol stabilized. And as I cleaned my diet up many years ago, everything else went into balance. Now, it's not the only thing we need to do, but it's a great place to start. And so many people don't know the power of that. You know, and what I was say on the PBS show, it's a game changer. And it really is. Even now we know from epigenetics and nutrigenomics that if we change the food we eat, we can actually impact the expression of genes. Oh, my God. That's so powerful because it doesn't mean anymore if you have heart disease as a history or if you have diabetes as a history, well, it's just a matter of time. It's so not true. And it gives power back to us instead of thinking it's just a matter of time. It isn't. And that's amazing. When you talk about cleaning up your diet, you're not talking about becoming a strict vegan. I'm not. I'm not. You know, the, it's interesting. I have many magazines that are calling for interviews now and 
The interesting part for me and many of my contemporaries is, I, and again, this, I'm sure there's exceptions to every rule, I don't find that many people can stand being a vegetarian long term. What happens to many of them is they, get, they have no energy, they have fatigue. The difficult part for all of us is that we do need protein, and oftentimes beans are not enough and tofu is not enough. So I'm someone that really believes that eating food from the ground, plant-based in terms of, you know, half your plate vegetables and fruits, and perhaps not that many fruits if you're a little bit sensitive or insulin resistant, and then having protein and some carbohydrates, you know, whole carbohydrates, lower glycemic carbs, that balance, more of the Mediterranean type diet, we know scientifically it's fantastic for your health, and we know that it really keeps blood sugar stable, mood stable, neurotransmitters stable, all the hormones stable. Um, it's amazing what it can do for you. So no, you don't have to have, you know, juice five times a day and all those things. And the part that's so important for people to know is it can be simple. I don't want people to spend all their day in the kitchen. I don't have time for that. And that's why in all my books, all the recipes are 30 minutes or less. I just don't have time to cook in the kitchen. Sometimes I'll spend time doing it. It's fun. But I wanted people to have real food that was really healthy, that the whole family could eat, that is made from scratch. We'll return to our program in a moment. Here on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we've long recognized the link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the topic is Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. The most fertile ground is rich in stuff that is dyed, but it also is full of living organisms. A story goes that a man wanting his tomatoes to grow decided to use a miracle product. He fed the plants and boy did they grow. They grew big and tall and wide, but produced no fruit. And so it is with our money. We are often so desperate for more green that we turn to shortcuts that don't bear fruit. The wealth we seek doesn't come from growth, it comes from growth and development. There was another farmer that wanted more fruit. So he learned what was needed to increase the yield on his land. It worked for a short time until all that was needed from the land was stripped away. It still bore what looked like fruit, but it wasn't the same. It lacked the nutrients, taste, and smell that made it valuable. If your money was growing and then bore no fruit, or bears fruit but doesn't give you the energy you need to pursue life, then send an email to info at shepherdfinancialmain.com. We'll help you reinvigorate your resources. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled. You need attention, advice, and individualized care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. 
The vegan vegetarian piece is hard, as you talk about in your book, is hard for people to give up sometimes because yeah. they it is something that we get attached to, this I idea know. that we have to rid our plates of all animal products. And you have experience with this. I think on the phone you were telling me that you did a macrobiotic. I was a macrobiotic for 15 years, absolutely. And there was a place in which I hit a wall, and I was—I had no energy, I couldn't think clearly, and I added protein. Unfortunately, I remember going to a store and just looking at the steak going, oh my God. And I got organic, some organic meat, and it was really amazing for me. And started really looking at some of the literature and the research. And its I see it often in my practice. I'll have people that are vegetarians, and I'll say, I really think you need to have more protein. I'll tell them. And they'll come back, and I wrote about it in the book, and they'll say, I feel fabulous, and I hate you, because there's so much wanting to not do the meat. And I get it. I understand that. So it's finding out for them what works. And it's an individual issue. We all are going to be different. We don't all have the same needs. And physiologically, we're going to have differences as well. For people who listen to this show on a regular basis, we've interviewed um, functional medicine practitioners before. Yeah. But some people may not be familiar with the ideas behind functional medicine. So tell me a little bit about that. Functional medicine is probably, for me, um, it's really what changed the way I practiced. And I've been doing it for... 25, 26 years, a long time. And I was always curious if I had a problem with a patient and I was trying to kind of come up with a diagnosis and then treat it, it didn't seem to really get rid of the issues. So functional medicine is more about kind of looking at the body like a cobweb, trying to understand all the pieces that make up that web. Is it the endocrine system? Is it, you know, about the mitochondria that not producing enough energy? Does it have to do with lack of energy from nutrients? Is it lifestyle? Is it emotions? Is it what they're eating? You know, what is it lack of love and joy? What is going into the equation that's causing the problem? So I'm a detective. I'm trying to figure out, well, it could be a little of this, and it's a little bit of that, and it's a little bit of this. Toxicity is another part that we don't ever talk about in kind of the conventional world, all of which we now know affect people. So the part that's wonderful is when you figure out the pieces and you see people change, uh, it's dynamic because you have people that have never felt better, you know, with um, polymyalgias from chronic fatigue to even, you know, ITP, which is a blood disorder, people are on medication and they still don't feel well. And ultimately you change all these things and they're no longer on medication. They feel better than they have in years. That's amazing. But it is how it works because it's getting to the root cause of the problems. You're still seeing patients at Uh Women to Women in Yarmouth. I am. Yeah. And you have recently published Is It Me or Is It My Hormones? You just had this PBS special. You have a radio show that is um, happens on Thursdays from 6 to 7. Right. You have a busy and exciting life. What's, what's next on your horizon? <laughs> what's next? Um, well, I also have a very big online presence with the newsletter that I write called It's at womentowomen.com. Um, well, they're asking me to do another book proposal actually right now, and I have to kind of think about whether I want to do that or not. Um, I was thinking I'd take a little time to just kind of breathe a bit here, but um, I don't think that that's how the industry goes. So more than likely, another book will be coming as well, and I may be doing another PBS. We'll see. They're kind of pushing me to do that as well, so we'll see. 
Marcel, how can people find out more about is it me or is it my hormones or is it me or is it my adrenals or the core balance diet? Yeah. Uh, the website womentowomen.com. That's a place. You can order the book uh, itself going to marcelpick.com as well. So, And we have lots of resources on Women to Women. The goal for me many years ago was to help teach people how to be their own midwives, to learn about themselves so that they could then take that information and get healthier, which is really my goal for people, so that they're not on 15 different medications by the time they're 70 with 100% drug interaction and needing more because they've got so many side effects. I mean, that's really what we need to teach people is they can change so many things by changing the way they live their lives. We've been speaking with Marcel Pick, who is the author of multiple books, and most recently, Is It Me or Is It My Hormones? And I am so glad that you are a resource for the state of Maine, that you are right in my own hometown of Yarmouth, and I appreciate your coming in and spending time with me today. It's delightful to be here. Thanks. The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter. When I enter a home or a business, I try to instantly understand their long-term commitment to the property. If the move is gonna be in the next two or three years, I would approach a landscape design situation completely differently than if they were to make a long-term commitment for many, many, many years ahead. I delve deeply into the understanding of how people actually live in their house or which rooms they use. What do you see from the interior perspective or look out onto? I also would try to understand what kind of play activities would be here. Are there children in the picture? Are there aging parents in the picture? What are the colors and textures and fragrances that most call to you? What are some of the plant materials that you recall from your earliest memories as a child? These are all things that personalize a space and make a space uniquely your own. For more information, you can reach me at tedcarterdesign.com. We'll return to our program after acknowledging the following generous sponsor. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine. At Orthopedic Specialists, ultrasound technology is taken to the highest degree. With state-of-the-art ultrasound equipment, small areas of tendinitis, muscle and ligament tears, instability and arthritic conditions can be easily found during examination. For more information, visit orthocareme.com or call 207-781. 9077. My son Campbell, who's been on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour before talking about his experiences, um, went down to Guatemala and spent time with the organization Safe Passage for a year in between high school and college. And I'm sitting across the microphone from a gentleman who has had a child with actually even more of an experience with Safe Passage uh, and also an individual who will soon be going down to visit Safe Passage for the first time. I'm here with Michael Komich of Chevrus and also Chevrus High School student Emily Manter. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to me about this trip that you have planned coming up in June. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for letting us appear today. So... Michael, you became interested in um, Safe Passage, actually, I believe, 
from before your daughter even went down to Safe Passage to work for the last few years? Well, uh, yes, my daughter uh, was a Chevrolet student as well and embarked on a career of service that began at Chevrolet and uh, took her to Fordham University where she uh, worked in El Salvador for a semester helping in a preschool there outside the capital city. Uh, she also worked in uh, a battered refugee women's center in Mexico and uh, upon graduation that led her to look at Safe Passage. And uh, we have a connection at Chevrolet to Safe Passage because Henley Denning, the founder, had uh, three brothers attend Chevrolet, two that graduated and one that was with us for a short time. And so there was already a built-in connection to that. And uh, Kelsey started as an English teacher and then uh, now has assumed the role of English coordinator. And uh, we went over to visit her last September and that was a, uh, a life-changing event. It is a life-changing event to go down to Guatemala and actually see, I mean, you hear about this, you hear about the Guatemala City Dump, and you hear about the children who um, barely have enough resources to brush their teeth or eat regular meals, but until you're actually there, it's impossible to know what it's really like. This happened to me when I went down to visit my son when he was there for a year. Was it hard for you to know that your daughter Kelsey had been working in this atmosphere and trying to make a difference in a place that really could be so fundamentally hard? It was, um, like it was to send her to the Bronx, New York to go to Fordham, uh, a leap of faith. Uh, Kelsey, um, where most young people would look at something like that with fear and trepidation, uh, with Kelsey, she's wired to look at it with an adventuresome eye. And I think that uh, because Chevrolet is a uh, Catholic Jesuit College Preparatory School, there's a faith component that we deal with every day. And so um, a lot of time spent in daily mass and prayer, trusting that uh, she would be cared for. Uh, and, and when we got to Guatemala and saw how happy she was doing the work that she was doing, it was very uh, reaffirming for us as parents that that was a, the right place for her. Emily, you're a student at Chevrolet, and you've been exposed to this idea of service and the importance of um, giving back to others and, and also of having faith. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you've heard about the fact that this is a dump. Right. And there are children and it's that are living amongst um, trash, and right. it smells, and it's, it's going to be June, so it'll be warm and... There are all kinds of reasons for a high school student not to want to go to Guatemala City, but you're going. Yeah. Why would you want to do that? I mean, I think um, I'm really excited about going and seeing another culture and being immersed in another culture. I've never been out of the country before, so I'm excited about that. But on the other hand, it's like Mr. Comer said that it's going to be hard to see like the poverty that's in Guatemala City. So um, I think that it's worth it and it's meaningful to go and it's meaningful for me, meaningful for other Chevrolet teams to go in the future. And um, I think it's worth it. And you took this challenge on. One of the reasons that you contacted me, Michael, was because you said, we have to raise so much money in a really short period of time. And is there anything you can do to help out with this process? Again, that's another challenge. You have to raise a lot of money in a short period. It did turn out all right, as we'll talk about, but why were you so willing to just jump right in with both feet? What was it about Safe Passage that just kept drawing you down there? When I 
went to visit Kelsey, um, they show you a video as part of an orientation before you go to Guatemala City. And Henley Denning was featured in the video and speaking about how when she first went there and saw the almost undefinable poverty that human beings live in, she could simply not turn her back and needed to do something. I was similarly touched and I, when I took off from my daughter and saw her, I said to myself, I, I needed to come back here and do something other than just resume life as normal. Um, I think a lot of people at our school do various immersion trips, and I used to wonder, having been there over 20 years, why would they do it? There's so much help that's needed for people here in Maine. But when you go to an area like that and see such unimaginable poverty and how people are living in such squalor and conditions, you say, how can I not be sensitized to this and try to have our students be sensitized to it? And I think for our small part, our students will go, will help, but their lives will be touched and there'll be a platform for them to help others in a more sustainable way. There is something about this story that clearly touches people. And for um, longtime listeners of our show, they know that we created the book, Our Daily Tread, and we raised um, tens of thousands of dollars for the organization Safe Passage. And this was after Hanley died as a young woman in her 30s. Um, you found the same thing. When you set up your first giving site and you opened it up and you said, we need $10,000 and we need to get it within a month, people started giving immediately. Were you surprised by that, Emily? Yeah, I was completely blown away. I mean, it's amazing. I thought we all, we had a goal of $10,000 for the group and there's nine students going. And so we were thinking, okay, that's $1,000 a student. So um, we set up a first giving page and the response was unbelievable. One student had $1,300 over the course of a weekend just from contacting relatives and um, I know I wrote a long Facebook message to my Facebook friends explaining the trip and putting the link to the website and I think so many people have heard about Safe Passage in Maine and um, I had a couple of friends who'd been and they commented and they said this is amazing this is a great experience and um, I think that everyone can see what a meaningful experience it can be. Now that you're very close to having reached that $10,000 goal, um, you have the opportunity to not only donate more money to Safe Passage should you surpass that goal, but also lay the foundation for future trips. And this is your intention from what I understand. Yes. So how can people give to the Chevrolet service team that's going to be going down in June and also lay the foundation for future teams? What's the best way to access that information? Good question, uh, Dr. Belisle. The, the site, First Giving, will likely um, be um, turned off this week because we'll have met our goal. But anyone who does want to support the cause can uh, donate to Chevrolet High School. Uh, our website, www.chevrolet.org, will show you the contact information and address. And if they want to uh, put it to the attention of Safe Passage Support Team trip, um, we'll give them a tax-deductible receipt and apply it to the trip uh, cost and any surplus that can either go to Safe Passage or for future groups. 
Well, I appreciate your taking the time to raise the money to go down and visit Safe Passage and to visit the children that my son Campbell actually helped teach for a year alongside your daughter, Kelsey. Um, and actually, Michael, I thank you for being such a good father to Kelsey because I know that she helped keep Campbell going strong the entire time he was down there. I know that they're great friends. And Emily, I know that you are going to end up being just as wonderful as Kelsey is. It's really been a great privilege to have you both in the studio with me today. I've been speaking with Chevrolet student Emily Manter and also Michael Komich of Chevrolet. And I wish you all the best on your safe passage trip. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Dr. Belisle. Well, we're into a new season and it's spring, and we're all feeling energized and excited to go out in the world and um, wake up after this winter of dormancy and looking inward. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to talk to a woman who um, is the Wright Doctor, right? W-R-I-G-H-T. This is Dr. Messina Wright, who is a naturopathic physician um, practicing in the area, and she has a special interest in women's vitality. So talk to us about why you decided to make this a topic of interest for yourself? Well, women's health is something I specialize in. You know, as a woman, I always feel like I am better equipped at helping other women get better rather than men who I don't always totally understand. And that's not to say that I don't treat men, but, you know, I understand women's health because of my own body and my own health. And, um, so many people that come to see me just don't feel good, you know, and they have low vitality. They're drained and they're tired and they feel like their hair isn't thick enough or their skin is too dull or, you know, various signs of low vitality. So um, I fo started to focus more on finding ways to help women enhance their vitality using naturopathic medicine. Well, and it's a it's a fascinating take on it. Instead of saying um, fatigue, which is, I think, what we often talk about, we talk about all the things that are bad. We talk about fatigue and we talk about being tired. You're talking about the other side of the coin. You're talking about vitality. So let's, let's whatever it is that's holding you back from that vitality, let's move you forward. Um, why did you decide to go for the positive? Well, I think you always get better results if you think about things that make you feel good and look towards what you want in life rather than focusing on the things that bring you down or the things that you don't want. I mean, that's part of the whole law of attraction. And um, as, a, as a human, I want to be a more positive person myself. So I feel like it's good medicine to think about the things that you do like and, and um, not get too caught up in in what brings you down. And, um, you know, I do, I started with a list of things that drain vitality, age, illness, disease, grief, sadness, infection, hormone deficiencies, you know, all of these things drain vitality, but it's not helpful to focus on those things. It's helpful to figure out what are the sources of the depleted vitality and then look at ways to replenish them. Well, I want to talk about that because I know our listeners are going to relate to that topic very much. But talk to me a little bit about why you chose naturopathic medicine. What drew you to that? I think about this one a lot. <laughs> um, 
basically my story is, you know, I was one of those kids that at age five, what do you want to be? I want to be a doctor or a hairdresser. So I went for the doctor thing. And um, my junior year of college at Middlebury, I just took a real sharp left and got off this straight and narrow track towards med school and started doing a lot of anthropology of medicine and sociology and feminist studies and religious studies. And that's what I was really interested in. And it was what I was good at back at, you know, back at the time. And I, um, you know, somebody came from a a naturopathic college out West and um, presenting on naturopathic medicine. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to learn. Um, you know, how to look at medicine from a more humanistic perspective and less of a science-based, but still having the foundation of medicine. So I decided at that point to become a naturopathic doctor, um, and here I am. And what is naturopathic medicine? Naturopathic medicine is is an umbrella term. It's a philosophy of medicine as well. So the umbrella that, that we hold, that we offer, includes botanical medicine, Um, clinical nutrition, homeopathy, stress management, lifestyle counseling. We're trained in physical medicine, like chiropractic manipulations, which I don't do because I've always worked with a chiropractor. And we're also trained in some hands-on body work, which some people do more of and some people do less of. So every naturopath is an individual, and we can choose which of our Uh, modalities that we focus more on. And in some states we have prescribing rights and in some states we don't. So we can also prescribe antibiotics and female hormones and topical products and, and some pharmaceuticals. We'll return to our interview in a moment. We on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast hope that our listeners enjoy their own work lives to the same extent we do and fully embrace every day. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. No matter what we do for work, there's always a busy season and it's very easy to become overwhelmed by all that needs doing. This is when one word needs to come to mind, perspective. When we need to remember that no matter what, we all work hard to do our best and get things done efficiently and in a timely manner. At the end of the day, we need to look at what we've accomplished for the day and not obsess with what we didn't get done. Our to-do list or our inbox will never be empty. If it ever was, that would be kind of disappointing, don't you think? The nature of your in-basket is that it's meant to have things in it. In fact, it could be argued that a full basket is essential for success. It means your time is in demand. A favorite line from a John Lennon song I sing to my girls is, Life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. It rings so true. When it gets hectic, we need to acknowledge the fact that nothing is more important than our own sense of happiness and inner peace. Very little in our lives it truly falls into the emergency category, albeit some fall into urgency, but there is a significant dis- difference. If we stay focused and prioritize, it will all get done. It always does. So when it gets a bit crazy in work or in life, remind yourself of what you've accomplished during that day. You'll be amazed and feel good about what's coming down the pike for tomorrow. Contact us for more information at boothmain.com. This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of REMAX Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and Integrity, 
can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. How do you approach somebody coming into your practice who says, I just don't feel as energetic as I once did? Let's see, there's a few different answers to that, so I'm not sure which answer you want to hear, but um, I always let people tell their story of what's been going on with them because that's where the clues to the depleted vitality come in. Is it stress? Is it, um, you know, when as people are telling their story, I'm analyzing for classic signs and symptoms for adrenal deficiency, thyroid deficiency, reproductive issues. So I'm always analyzing the case as they're telling me their stories, even if they're talking about their mother, you know, I'm putting the pieces together in my brain. Um, I always talk about digestion and nutrition because food is a huge piece of our vitality and our and our health and wellness. I break down in my mind, we have physical vitality, which is our inherent sources of vitality that comes from our hormones primarily. And anybody who has a hormone deficiency will tell you how depleted they feel. So sometimes it's actually just replenishing a physical state. And then, um, and then there's the energetic vitality, the vitality that we get from other things, primarily from nature, whether it says food or nature, the actual environment that we live in. People do too much. You know, not enough people sit around and watch the tide come in or go out. And, you know, I, that's one of my prescriptions is to rest and to relax and to watch the flowers grow you know i feel like nature is actually really an amazing resource for vitality and people who are low and depleted and exhausted sit outside for 20 minutes twice a week and you know just absorb sometimes we do too much even here take this vitamin take this pharmaceutical take this hormone take this prescription make this smoothie do this thing do that that you know it's exhausting <laughs> that, that is the irony is that you're working so hard to feel better that you're actually depleting yourself in the process and sometimes you know like I'm into superfoods and green smoothies and you know that's one way that I think is really important to to replenish vitality that is going to give back eventually even if you have to go to the store and buy the things and make the smoothie it's going to give back and so will supplements and so will hormones and so will a lot of other things but um, resting is really important. So you start with rest. What are some of the nutrition recommendations that you make with people? The thyroid is a really important part of our energy levels. And um, a lot of people are like, oh, my thyroid's been tested like, you know, 20 times. And my doctor says the level's normal. And I take a look at the same test that the doctor does. And uh, uh, a holistic doctor or a doctor more trained for this kind of stuff can see that even though it's in the normal level, the TSH actually needs to be in with, within a fairly narrow range to show that it's optimal thyroid function and not what's called subclinical hypothyroidism. So I look for things like that on blood work and iodine is really necessary for the thyroid hormone to be produced. And, um, you know, we don't get enough iodine from our diet in general. So I make sure that people are eating seafood and fish, which are plant sources of iodine. Seaweed is super important. So, you know, sushi or seaweed salads or learning how to cook with seaweed. You can just put little pieces of kombu in your grains when you cook them. You know, there's lots of little kind of macrobiotic nutritional tips. And plant sources of iodine are also things that we don't necessarily eat a ton of, like 
Swiss chard and mustard greens and cucumbers and watermelon. But if you grow those plants in, a, in an iodine depleted soil, you're not going to get any iodine from them. So, um, you know, I'll make sure that people are trying to eat some of the iodine rich foods. Selenium is also needed for the thyroid conversion of T4 to T3. And it's, it's pretty much only in Brazil nuts in any sort of significant amount. So I'll have people starting to eat some Brazil nuts as a snack. You know, it's a good protein, it's high in selenium, you know, just looking at, at food sources of, of minerals other than just here, take this pill, take this, you know, whatever. Sometimes that's not what's needed. And like I said, um, superfoods are something I'm, I'm into right now. So superfoods are like goji berries and blueberries and kale, maca root, um, cacao, like chocolate powder for the real chocolate freaks out there, and making smoothies using greens and organic fresh fruit and some superfoods and either water or some alternative milks and, you know, getting a real super nutrient rich smoothie that's going to be full of enzymes and phytonutrients and plant nutrients and things that are absorbed really quickly. So I always look to food with every patient. If you need to go beyond food into supplements, what are some of the nutrients that people get depleted in that they might need to look toward a supplement for? When I do supplements, I often do botanicals. I often do herbal medicine. Um, It's just, you know, it's one of my passions and it's something I'm really interested in. So I will often look towards adrenal tonics as supplements when when people are really depleted or you know if somebody's low energy and they've never taken an adrenal tonic in their life. These days I'm seeing teenagers, you know, people in high school that have depleted adrenals. Like we just we start we we start burning the candle at both ends pretty early these days. And so by the time you're 25 or 35 or 45, 55, you know, you're depleted. So um, there are a lot of really fantastic herbs out there. Ashwagandha is one that I'm into right now for whatever reason. You know, I think a lot of people are into it. It's a very popular supplement. It's it's quite safe. Um, rhodiola is also one of my favorites. I love rhodiola, possibly because I'm a rose person and it's called Arctic Rose. So Rhodiola is uh, grows out on the Siberian tundras, and the Russian army did a whole bunch of research studies on it um, to to see its you know what it actually did. It's cl- classified as an adaptogen. It helps improve mental clarity. It improves stamina to cold. It increases um, endurance. You know you can you can run longer and think better out in the Siberian tundra when you're taking Siberian gins. Or pardon me, when you're taking. Um, rhodiola. So I like that one. And there's also another study on rhodiola, which is the rat on the pole study. So um, a rat can stand on a pole longer when it takes rhodiola than the rat not taking rhodiola. So there are patients out there, they feel like a rat on a pole. You know, it's just like, I just have to stand on this pole for one more day and keep going. And those people, they need the rhodiola. (laughs) So what about ginseng? There are a lot of different ginsengs. Um, there was a really interesting article in, I think it was in Adirondack today on American ginseng, which you can Google and track down. There's there's the original article and then there's blogs written on the article. Um, there's American ginseng, there's Asian ginseng, which is mostly Panax ginseng or Korean ginseng, which is a specific subspecies. And then there's Siberian ginseng, which I was mistakenly referred to before. 
Um, Siberian ginseng is most known for its endurance capability and is great for athletes. The Siber the um, Asian or Korean ginseng is very hot. It's it's mostly recommended for men. And in my training, we did some Chinese medicine in, in my training as well. That's right. A lot of acupun um, a lot of naturopaths can do acupuncture in addition to the other things I mentioned before, um, as an additional license thing. But I tend to not use Panax ginseng or Asian ginseng unless it's prescribed because it can actually do some damage to the body if you're not the right kind of person to take it because it's a very, very potent herb. And American ginseng grows um, from like Virginia all the way up to Canada and across to Montana. And it's another adaptogen, another tonic. It's, a, it's literally a stimulant. So it's a good, um, it would be a good option for people who are very fatigued and have very low energy. What are some of the other tips that um, you can offer people who would like to improve their vitality? Get your hormones checked. You know, go to a doctor, um, either somebody who specializes in age management or ha who has a more holistic understanding of how the hormones all work together and get your, you know, your Testosterone for both sexes is really important to test. Get your cortisol levels, a full thyroid panel. Um, just, you know, it's really important to do that blood work or to do a salivary hormone analysis and make sure that you're up to par. Because um, it's, you know, that's what lab work is for. You don't want necessarily want to just work in the dark and just buy a whole bunch of things or take stuff if you don't actually need it. The adrenal tonics are pretty safe for anyone, but if you're on multiple medications, uh, there's a, there can be a lot of interactions between the herbs and the medications, so it's not necessarily recommended to just go ahead and take a bunch of herbs if you're on, especially things like um, some of the more high-test cardiac herbs, some mental health herbs, um, pardon me, some pharmaceuticals for antidepression are, are kind of safe, but any of the antipsychotics, you should definitely not be taking botanicals without a doctor's or a naturopath making sure the contraindications are, are in place. Um, any autoimmune herbs should definitely be double-checked. Double um, so there's that's the one thing about herbs is they can have interactions. So get your hormones checked, spend some time outside, introduce superfoods, have more local fruits and vegetables, get some of those enzymes in there. It strikes me that you're an individual who likes to collect helpful information for patients, and I know you have this um, master in homeopathic certification, I believe. This. So what's next for you? What keeps you interested in the wellness world? What's your next adventure? Well, I'm still just getting started here in Maine. So um, I work at the Age Management Center, which primarily does, you know, improving vitality. And I, I do most of the women's work. Dr. Bedix does most of the men's work. And so I'm going to keep doing what I already do for the next little while and get really good at it. I'm still learning my way around the Maine healthcare system. And, you know, I also... I'm excellent with all of the Canadian supplements and products out there, but I'm still learning my way around all of the American resources. So I think that I've had quite a bit of change, and I may not be jumping into something new at this point. I think I might just spend some time perfecting what I've, what I've got going on. How can people find out more about your practice? 
Well, I've got lots of social media out there for, for all of the online people. I'm on Twitter at The Right Doctor, and um, I'm on Facebook as The Right Doctor. I have a page on Facebook. I have a, a website blog. It's kind of does both, um, therightdoctor.com. So I've got a lot of, of that going on. I work, as I said, I work at the Age Management Center, um, so I can be reached through them. And I also do boutique medicine, which is kind of an unusual model, which is that I will do home visits or office visits for people who have unusual schedules. So, you know, I, I had a phone consult with a patient on the 4th of July last year who was sick and just needed, you know, to check in with somebody. I, I do Skype visits with people in Arizona on a Sunday, you know, so I, I recognize that there's a, some people work nine to five and can't actually just, or don't want to leave for a doctor. And so I just fill in that gap because I have a little bit more of a flexible schedule. So that is, you know, I'm going to continue doing that. It's unusual, but it's it's worked for me, and I I like doing this Skype model of care. And it it doesn't replace having a primary care physician with that model, but it does help to have the the alternative and the naturopathic support for healthcare. Well, we've been speaking with Dr. Masino Wright, who is the Wright Doctor W R I G H T, about women's vitality and and her own background in changes that she's made. Congratulations on all these big changes moving from Toronto to Maine and, and doing it for love. Thank you. I hope that this uh, continues to be successful for you, and I appreciate the work you're doing for um, women and men in the state of Maine. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 82, Vitality featuring author and women's health expert Marcel Pick, Michael Komich and Emily Manter of the Chevrus Safe Passage support team, and naturopathic physician Dr. Messina Wright. For more information on our guests, visit doctorlisa.org. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter and Pinterest, D-O-C-T-O-R Lisa, and read my take on health and well-being on the Bountiful blog, bountiful-blog.com. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. I am privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, hoping that you have enjoyed our show on vitality. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you go forward to live, love, and matter. And may you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine. Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine. Apothecary by Design. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street in Portland, Maine. Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Courtney Taberge. 
Summaries of all our past shows can be found at doctorlisa.org. Become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details.